welcome to Less Than or Equal, the podcast about pursuing equality and geekdom by celebrating the diverse and their accomplishments. I'm your host, Aline Sims, and today I'm thrilled to be joined by Kiva Bay. Kiva, welcome. Hello. How are you? I'm excellent. I'm really good. Good. Who are you? Who am I? Uh, <laughs> I'm a person on Twitter and uh, also a person off of Twitter. Usually. Oh, okay. And good, good. Um, I am an artist. I draw mostly feminists who I see getting harassed on Twitter because I think that sucks. And it's the nicest way I have to be like, hey, I'm sorry, this sucks. <laughs> so you have a Kickstarter. Yes, and I have a Kickstarter. That's the other thing I do. Will you talk a little bit about that? Why did you, um, I guess, I, because I'm, I've been watching you for a while, um, and I was privileged enough to be drawn one of, <laughs> I don't know, one of the first I, maybe dozen even, yeah, like, cool dozen and a half people that you drew for, for the feminist deck. So would you talk a little bit about the feminist deck and... Um, and your Kickstarter and what that's all about? Yeah, absolutely. So um, at first I was just like, maybe we should make a card game or something. And that seemed like a good idea until I thought, wait, maybe that would be gamifying like the abuse and harassment that these people have received. That's a bad idea, actually. <laughs> so now the feminist deck is trading cards that are in the style of the Fleer Marvel cards. If you saw those when you were, I used to collect them when I was younger. I liked them a lot. And it's got images of really cool feminists and just really cool creators who have progressive viewpoints. And uh, it'll have information about them on the back of each card. And it'll have information on where you can find more of them. And not more cards more of their writing and more of their thought. <laughs> uh, originally, I honestly have no idea what I'm doing half the time. Um, so originally I was like, well, it should cost about like maybe this much, right? That's probably how much it'll cost. And I'm really fortunate that whenever I do anything, there's this really amazing community of support. So whenever I do anything, like somebody immediately pops up and they're like, hey, let me help you with that because you're not good at math. Oh, no. <laughs> but it's it's really amazing, actually. It's really it's feminist bat signal is how I think <laughs> of it. It's, I do something and suddenly the feminist bat signal shines in the sky. And next thing I know, there's a dozen feminists being like, I know how to use spreadsheets. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> That's amazing. I don't at all. Because that, that really is a superpower. I don't I don't care what anybody <laughs> says. No, it is. It is like it, it, they're like, I know how to write copy. And I'm like, I don't know how to do that at all. I can barely write a comic script. <laughs> so and I was glad to see um, because you were um, iterating and asking for feedback as you were um, kind of putting the Kickstarter together. And I think originally, you know, I think what the Kickstarter goal was when you actually launched it was about $5,000 more than you originally, like in your first drafts had, had put. And I was glad to see that because I was like, well, like, I don't, I don't want Kiva to be sitting around worrying about paying <laughs> rents, you know, when, when this is. Well, what it really came down to is that somebody was like, you know, that you're going to need to buy like envelopes and stuff too. Uh, right. And I was uh -huh. like, oh, oh right. yeah. Shipping things. Right. I have to buy envelopes and shipping labels and pay for postage and crazy things like there was all these costs that go into it that I just had never thought about before and of course like it was already kind of expensive because I want to pay everybody who's in it I want to give them actual money instead of profiting off them I want to actually help them profit as well and thank them for being a part of the deck because it's really their presence that makes it a good deck. <laughs> I'm I'm really really excited to see it. Um, so we are recording this on May 10th, and the reason why I feel like it's important to say that is because this episode won't actually go up until the 18th. Um, so at this point, you are less than five hundred dollars. No, 
just over $500, like 555 or something like that right. from hitting your goal. I $499 away ah. from my goal as we speak, which may make me freak out a little bit on air. It's okay. It's okay. Kiva, that's <laughs> not amazing. Not having a stroke. I'm amazed. I'm blown away because I really, I did not expect this response, but there's been like a lot of that has to do, of course, with a lot of the retweets that I got, like Will Wheaton. Uh, I was featured in the Mary Sue twice and they did just a wonderful, wonderful write up both times. Um, I've got some of them in the deck too, because it's the Mary Sue. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> like it's the Mary Sue. They're like my feminist geek go-to. Uh, and Neil Gaiman and uh, Amanda Palmer and Will Wheaton and the double clicks and just like so many amazing, wonderful people have been spreading the word about it. So it just started like snowballing really fast. And I also, I feel like I have to thank 8chan. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I hate doing it, but I'm going to do it anyway. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to let them think that this kind of behavior is at all okay because it's obviously not right. but that fake ten thousand dollar donation that they gave put my uh kickstarter on the front page of kickstarter as a fast-growing project which is what originally got it so much attention and i don't know that it would have been nearly as successful if somebody on Kickstarter hadn't tried to commit wire fraud. So, you know. Good on them. I don't think it's a good way to spend your life, kid. No, I don't either. But, but thank you for doing something that backfired so spectacularly because I really, really appreciate the outpouring of support. There's been a little harassment, but for the most part, it's just been amazing people being loving and supportive and just overwhelmingly kind like so you know if you're gonna waste your time being a jerk 8chan like i don't mind you can come be a jerk to me anytime i'm kidding don't actually <laughs> come be a jerk to me no. anytime that was my attempt at humor yeah. do not come be a jerk to me that would be the worst thing in the world Go evaluate your lives and consider <laughs> why you were harassing people and doing harm. Just maybe as an alternative. Think about why you thought a ten thousand dollar fake donation was going to work. <laughs> you know, I, I I was a little interested to know the rationale behind that, but I was like, you know, I'm not going to go anywhere where that's posted. So I'm just. Oh, God, no, don't, don't ever read that thread, people. Yeah. I checked through it because I was like, well, okay, I better find out if, well, I wanted to find out if they were like planning on doing something really awful. Cause I was like, you know, I don't want to, I had to, you know, call my local police department and be like, hey, so I don't know if I'm going to get swatted or not. And they're like, what's swatting? And I'm right. like, oh, good. I live in a tiny town. Have you ever seen Law and Order? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Like that's like the only way that you can like oh it was very sad oh. but but no it so I had to briefly check through it and just you know see what was going on I was like oh my god and by the time I got done reading the thread I just I felt so bad but like not for me for them I, yeah I felt really bad for them I felt like like this one guy in the very first comment starts going off about how he's got this project that he's been working on forever and it doesn't get support or attention. And he thinks it doesn't get support or attention because he's not an SJW or whatever he was saying. And I just felt so bad for him. Like I felt so terrible for him because I totally understand what it's like to be a creator and to like feel like your stuff's getting passed over and mm -hmm. I understand that like you feel jealous and you feel like angry and you feel underappreciated and like those feelings don't feel good like it's not a happy place it's not something that makes your body feel good it's not something that makes your day feel any better 
it, it upsets your stomach. It upsets yeah. your brain. It gives you headaches. It gives you stress. It gives you breakouts. It like when you're that unhappy, it literally weaves through your body and just makes everything that's going on a thousand times worse. And I just felt so bad. I was like, not for anything I had done, because it's not my fault that this person feels this way, but I can absolutely empathize with the feeling. I can, I absolutely have compassion for people who feel unappreciated as an artist and who are feeling down. And like, I obviously did not want to make an account and comment and get pulled into that at all. That was not, but it just like, I just want to give you a hug. If that person is listening, I I don't know. I doubt this probably isn't their kind of podcast. No, I know. But, but just on the off chance that somehow it gets back to them, I just, I want them to know that like, it's just, everybody goes through that. Just keep creating. Don't get discouraged. Create every day. Stick with your project. Just keep going. Even successful people, even people who are recognized um go go through it you know that's not right not not something that that goes away with success either and the the more effectively you learn how to deal with it and channel that i don't know i'm gonna sound like a hippie channel that energy away from you um you know the better off you're gonna be yeah no you can sound like a hippie anytime (laughs) raised by hippies fine I really admire that about you. I think that um, part of the reason you, you've, because this has taken off, right? Like I started, I started following you on Twitter. I don't know, maybe like two months ago, and you had like two hundred followers, followers, yeah. Like, like (laughs) and then, um, and then you drew some art for Isometric, and I'm friends with the Isometric crew, and I was like, this is really cool, and so I started following you on Twitter after you know, you, you started drawing them. And um, now I look and, and you have like, well over a 1000 followers and, um, you know, all of all of this art and this, this community that you've built, because you really have built a community. Um, but I something very badly needed a community, a very badly needed one. Kiva, you've done it because and not only that, but it's at least what I see of it, it's a community of support and compassion. I mean, you could very easily be bashing everything about 8chan and everything that they did with that donation, everything that they've done. And instead of doing that, you're like, yeah, this is kind of a crappy thing they did. But but there are some people in pain in there. And I really, I really empathize with that. And I think that that's, I think that that's so cool. And it's one of the things I admire the most about you. Well, thank you. They are, they are seriously just in pain. I I really do truly believe that you can't be that angry at strangers unless you're that angry at yourself. It's just, it's impossible to be angry at a stranger more than you're angry at yourself. So I just figure they, there's something going on and I just feel really awful. And I know back when I was the worst person on the internet, easily the worst person on the internet. It's because I was filled with self-loathing, just completely filled with self-loathing. Every day was like, just, I was suicidal. I was aggressive. I was very, very miserable all the time. And it's because I absolutely hated myself. And so when I see other people acting this way, I just assume that it's got to be because they just hate themselves so much. And I know that that just like, that is the worst feeling. You can't ever like stop your head. You can't ever just like, you know, you can sign off of Twitter, but you can't sign out of your thoughts ever. So if you're hating yourself, like it's constant, it's always there. And I think it's just like, it poisons the way that they interact with other people. And so I don't, I don't hate, I don't hate HN. Like I hate what they do. I wish that they would stop lashing out, but they're just people who I assume are just in so much pain. Like they're just people. Yeah. 
but the shit they do is totally unacceptable. It is. <laughs> like it is. Like when I see people attacking other people and trying to tear them down, I'm just like, what are you doing? Like, first of all, it's not going to help you feel any better mm-hmm. at all. Like maybe for two minutes, you'll be like, yeah. But then like your brain's just going to go right back to hating you. It's just going to start right again. Like it's not going to go away. So it just, it's so like, I wish that I could just take them all and like sit them down and be like, look, if we could all just like drink some tea and just like chill out a little bit and a little bit of lavender in the air, like, like reflect in on ourselves and, you know, hold crystals. Look, I was raised by hippies. (laughs) There's nothing I can do about it. (laughs) Well, I think that, I think that there is a lot of pain. I also think that people feel threatened um and and that could stem for from pain or or not but like i think that a lot of it is i think the biggest thing i hear from people is like they're going to take whatever away from me insecurity yeah like no i don't i don't want to take the horrible games you love away from you i'm 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 fine with those existing i just want more games with different types of things you know more games more comic books it's fine we just want more of these things you know and so i just i feel like you know i'm not trying to co-opt your stuff i'm trying to help it expand and grow and how is that a bad thing um i think a lot of it too is i remember when i was younger those people just immediately accepted me because i was so good at pretending to be one of them And I think a lot of women, uh, young women went through that where they're trying to be the cool girl, I think is how Maddie Myers put it one time. She was talking about how she used to try to be the cool girl. And I used to try to be the cool girl and fit in with all the gamer guys and, you know, fit in. And that meant being as much of a jerk as they were being. That meant being more of a jerk than they were being so I could prove that I was one of them. But I'm so much happier now that I'm not trying to do that. And now that I'm not trying to do that, I have a community that I connect with a whole lot better. The community that's surrounding me now, they're all into the same stuff that I'm into. Like I just did art for uh, Kaylin Inarashi on uh, on Twitter. I just did art for her game, The Skeleton Key of Amity. And it's a beautiful game. It's a wonderful game. She makes games. I get to make games. Like, we're going to make this game based on my time being homeless together. And that I never got to do that when I was trying to be one of the cool girls. Mm-hmm. I never got to do that. And now I do get to do that. So, I don't know. To all the cool girls out there, I hope at some point that you get to, like, be a part of a community that doesn't make you quite so invisible (laughs) come be dorks like me yeah come be a dork it's really fun (laughs) it really is amazing um so i was i was talking to a friend right before um you and i started this call and um and i was like oh i'm sorry i have to go i'm talking to kiva and he said oh my gosh you're gonna talk to kiva and I, was like, <laughs> I said yeah i'm gonna go we're gonna we're gonna talk about, we're gonna talk about the kickstarter and he said okay well will you please let her know that um i have uh not a friend but i there's someone in my community who is is very poor um kind of helps around doing like custodial tasks here and there and you know, gets them some money coming in and, and, um, can we help feed him? And, um, and he, he talks about video games all the time and he consumes video games by watching less play, let's plays on YouTube. And he was talking about how much the comic that you wrote about your experiences being homeless resonated with him because of his, um, of this acquaintance, this good acquaintance of his who, um, is in a similar situation. Oh, wow. Wow. That's really touching. I know how hard that is, um, when you're struggling by and you're like, you know, I, there's so many people, um, in this industry too, who make so little money, so little money that they're like scraping by 
check to check. And sometimes the only way you can, like you can't afford $60 for the game, but you really, really, really want to see the story of the game. Everyone's talking about it. You want to see what it's like. I think Let's Plays are really valuable for that. I do too. And I'm, I actually hadn't stopped to consider it until, until I read the comic that you wrote. And I guess, um, for the people listening who haven't read it, we'll put we'll put a link in the show notes um, so you can see it. Um, but basically, Kiva talked about her experiences being homeless and having a laptop and being able to go into coffee shops and uh, where it was, you know, safe from the elements and 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 watch Let's Play videos and and participate in video games that way. And um, I hadn't stopped to think about it in that way before um, because I'm. I'm privileged enough that I've never been homeless and um, I'm like, Oh, let's play as well. I'm just going to play the game if I, if I'm interested and I'm not really interested in a lot of games. So um, it was also very, it was good for me in opening my eyes to, to the different ways that these can be used too. So thank you. Oh, well, thank you. I think a lot of people forget that homeless people are just people and they do have like, interests i think people are like homeless people why would they be interested in video games and it's like well you know maybe we were interested in video games before we lost our house (laughs) yeah and you know i've been i've been very poor i've been you know spending three dollars at wendy's for chili was a treat right Um, you know i've but i i've never I've never had to live out of my car or on the street. Um, and I'm I'm extremely grateful, but I'm in a position now in my early 30s where um I haven't even had to deal with, you know, worrying about three dollars to pay for chili at Wendy's in, in many years. And I'm um I think I lose sight. Uh and it's something I need to work on. It's it's really easy to forget and to be like, I don't want to think about how stressful that was anymore. I think a lot of it, we get sort of victim blaming. Somebody was talking to me about how people who um, slut shame or victim blame uh, rape victims sometimes are doing it because they want to somehow differentiate themselves from the victim. Be like, well, this happened to them, but it won't happen to me because I do this. Mm. And I think people sort of treat being poor the same way. Mm They're like, this person is poor because of something that happened to them. And it's like, well, because of something they did. And it's like, well, yeah, but, you know, it might also be because of something that happened in the economy or maybe because of something that a family member did or maybe because of an illness. In my case, the restaurant that I was working at closed unexpectedly. Like, it just, it happened. Mm -hmm. It happens to all kinds of people. And I think we're seeing... Um, a lot more people starting to stand up and fight against. There's a lot of laws in cities where they criminalize being homeless. Um, sit lie laws where if somebody is sitting down on a street corner, they can be hassled by the cops. But the cops aren't, you know, stopping and bothering like somebody who's just sitting down in a park and resting for a minute. They're stopping and bothering people who are sitting down in a park and happen to have a backpack. <laughs> and who quote unquote look homeless yeah look homeless and believe me you you look homeless living on the streets because you need to wear layers against all kinds of elements you need to carry so much crap i learned uh this trick up in portland where there are these um grates in the sidewalks that are access to water pipes and some of them are open so you can like dump your sleeping bag in there wrapped in a garbage bag and like go and get it later. Like just Mm -hmm. weird, strange little things that you learn being homeless, but sleeping on the grates in the winter, the warm air pushes up. Yeah. I never, I never had to do that when I was homeless during the winter time. It was a really short stint. I was homeless twice and I was homeless during the winter time one time and it was a short stint and I slept on this, uh, this porch of this house that was for sale 
and it was so freaking cold. It was the very worst in the world, but I was so fortunate that there was this wonderful soup kitchen up there called the Blanchet House, and I was able to go in there, and they'd like, they give you like a big carafe of coffee and like let you like hang out outside of the elements. It was just really nice. They're a really cool little soup kitchen. They've grown quite a lot in the last uh, couple of years. I keep an eye on them because they're a place that helped me out and I like them a lot. You know, it's interesting. Um, I, a uh, past guest um, on the show is a pastor in um, rural car, rural such a hard word, rural Colorado. And um, he's been thinking of ways that he can start a homeless shelter in his community, because even though it's a small town, um, there are, there are a lot of homeless people. It's a, a poor community. It's a farming, you know, type community. And um, so he's been trying to think of ways to make that happen to, to support people. And Micro shelters. Kiva is all about the micro shelters. I am a huge fan of tiny houses and micro shelters and Conestoga huts. I have a friend in Eugene who is very involved with the Whoville project out there. If anybody wants to Google that, it's very cool. Whoville, Eugene. I'll put it in the show notes too. Yeah, they're they're really really neat. Um, but they build Conestoga huts that basically provide their a community of homeless people because there's so many homeless people in Eugene. And a lot of the storefront owners really like it because it gets them out of downtown and makes it so they're not sleeping on the streets there. And they really like it because it gives them a community of support. Like if somebody's having a freak out, if somebody's dealing with addiction problems, they can go to Whoville and they can get support and get through that. I think that providing community for people is really one of the most important things that we can do because most of our problems come from isolation I've found like when people are um, depressed I find that it's usually a case of isolation Um, not that it doesn't have to do with chemicals it obviously has to do with chemicals as well but one of the ways that you can treat it is by finding a community which is why people always tell you to go to group therapy and things like that. Um, But isolation is killer. Isolation is poison. It's not good. (laughs) Well, we, we've evolved as in communities, right? Uh, We were, I can't remember. It was an episode or two ago. We talked about that, how people need other people to survive. It's really hard to make it out there on your own. People don't watch zombie shows for the zombies. They watch it for the communities that could build. Like, it's true. That's true. We don't have zombies who appear week to week frequently. (laughs) That's too bad because, you know, that would be pretty interesting. (laughs) I think there's a show. Is it iZombie that focuses on a zombie? I haven't watched (laughs) it, but um, uh, mutual friend Steve Lubitz has and says that it's pretty good. So maybe that's something we can watch. I'm so bad about watching the TV now. I'm so bad because it's on my computer and I'm like, well, I have to make the choice between watching TV or drawing. And Uh, I always end up drawing. I'm glad you draw, though. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for drawing, Kiva. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) So you're also doing comics. So you've got the feminist deck um, and some of the rewards involve comics, right? Yeah, I'm doing a 12-page comic um, that's really cool so far. I really like it. It's about, uh, it's set in a medieval fantasy land, and it's got paladins and knights and wizards who are all feminist deck members who must stop a terrible spell that has infected everyone's speech. Uh Uh-oh. (laughs) Uh-oh. Maybe it was cast by trolls. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) So how... Have you, well, one, I know you've written like comic, web comics, but have you ever undertaken a 12 page comic before? Um, it's funny because uh, I draw comics for myself all the time. And then it's weird. I've been doing this for so long that, yeah, I've, I've done little comics before. Uh, I'm not, you know, superb at it, but I'm pretty good. 
I'm pretty good at comics. I'm getting pretty be- better at them. Yeah. I'm really excited. <laughs> it's going to be a really good comic. <laughs> like the, the, I don't know. I think Randy Harper wrote a blog post about kind of in defense of the feminist deck um, and why, why it's important to her. And I think, I think it comes, it, it, it all comes back to community. Like we've been, under attack i guess there's there's been this internet war underground internet war happening for like eight months and there's been a lot of negativity and a lot of abuse and a lot of fear and i think what you have done so well is kind of picked out light spots um by the way of people you know and highlighting people and um, part of the reason why I think, you know, in addition to the attention that you got from Neil Gaiman, which like, oh my that gosh, pretty much. Yeah. That made everything sort of start happening so fast that I was like, I don't think I can actually keep up with how fast these numbers are <laughs> moving. I'm going to lay down. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I, I think the celebrity attention definitely helped, but I think more than that is that, you know, we're I feel like we're also weary. You know, when when Gamergate started, I don't think anybody anticipated that it would turn into something that we'd still be talking about in May. Yeah. And um I think what we What need... do we get for the one year anniversary? Do we get anything for that? Do we get anything? Tears? Tears? Oh. Yeah, it's the worst anniversary ever, I think. Oh. But I, th- I hope we get peace. For the that would be nice, wouldn't it? That would be the best. I just, uh, but we needed, we needed some brightness, um, and I think that what you did is, is you organized it. Basically, you know, there are people talking about, you know, Randy and and the good thing that, she, good things that she's done with Gigi Autoblocker. And and helping people who have been doxxed and harassed, and the same with, you know, Zoe Quinn with Crash Override, and um, who are and, amazing, aren't they? by the way. Like as soon as that horrible stuff happened, like they had my back right away, right away. Good. It's incredible. Like, and that's something they just do. That's like it's not something that they're like. That's just something that they just decided to do. Like nobody went to them and was like, "Hey, there's a problem." could you guys fix it? They were like, oh, there's a problem. Let's fix it. And they did it really, really well. Yeah. Well, and I've really appreciated, um, I think Zoe especially, because, you know, she was the original target. And how she just was like, okay, um, I have all of this experience dealing with doxing and threats and my accounts being compromised. And you know, this thing and that thing. So like, I have this knowledge, I'm going to share it with people and I'm going to help people. And I think that that takes a resiliency that, that not a, not a lot of people have. Yeah. It's also amazing because she took what is essentially a pile of really, really horrible trash and she turned it into something really incredible. So like when you're getting dished that much trash and you're able to take it and make it into like a really awesome thing, that's pretty amazing to me. Yeah. We have some really, really amazing people in this diversity community. I, d- I don't know what else to call it. <laughs> oh, that reminds me. Tanya says hi. Hi, Speaking Tanya. Speaking of awesome people in our <laughs> awesome community. <laughs> uh, Tanya to passive, a past episode that I will also put in the show notes. Um, you know, yeah, she's doing um, I Need Diverse Games and... That is amazing. And it goes back to the same thing. She saw a need and she was like, all right, no one else is filling the space. I'm going to do it. And um, I really I say it over and over and over again on the show. I feel like that we're on this precipice of of real change in the gaming community specifically and the tech community more broadly, where like we're leading up to it. And I really I don't know if it's just because I feel I feel like this has to happen or I'm going to lose hope or whatever. But like, I I just feel that that we're starting to get the ball rolling and that we're going to see some meaningful changes in the next little while, you know? 
Yeah, I think that we've already started to see it happening when we see like OAPI and Feminist Frequency and other groups like this that are doing so well. And we also see a surge in writers and journalists who are talking about their experiences. We're seeing more pieces being done by women journalists talking about their experiences, by trans journalists talking about their experiences uh, with harassment specifically, talking about their lived experiences. We're seeing more writers of color who are talking about their experiences. We're seeing a broader... Those people were always there, but they're finally getting to talk about what's happening to them. And I think it's... I think it's a wake up call for a lot of people. I think it's a, a, a lot of people. I think a lot of people who don't belong to these groups are also digging in their heels. But more than anything, I think it's an eye opening experience for a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, it's I've learned so much in the last year. And I was always a pretty progressive person, but I still had things to learn, you know. Me too. And I'm, I still am. Right. I still have a ton of stuff to learn. Whenever I get like criticism on the feminist deck, I always want to take that criticism and be like, okay, how do I fix this? How do I learn from this? How do I, how do I take this and make it better? Have you always been like that? Or is that something you had to learn? It's absolutely something I had to learn. I was not always like that. I was so not like that, that when the restaurant closed, I ended up on the streets. So, you know, sometimes things don't get fixed. Um, but uh, learning to be positive is really important. It's something you have to work at every day, too. I definitely have days where I wake up and I'm like, Ugh, I don't like anything. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like anything in the world. I don't want to do anything. I don't even want to get out of bed. I just want to lay in bed, look at the internet, glare at it, because I don't like anything. (laughs) That was me this morning. Like, I think verbatim. But, you know, it's like, I find that if I do then force myself to be like, Kiva, you're being negative, first of all. And secondly, it's really annoying. (laughs) (laughs) If I do that, I'm like, okay. I'm going to actually try to be positive. I'm going to try to like, and it sounds so dorky and self-helpy, but it literally like I will get up and I will write about having to be positive or I will draw a picture about having to be positive or I'll draw a picture about something that's upsetting me and I'll try to like turn it into something that like I woke up um, on the day of the Baltimore riots or the day after and I was, I was mad about like the way the news was talking about it I was really mad. <laughs> it's like, you're going to sit here and talk to me about broken windows and cars on fire when a man's spine was broken. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ah, I was so angry. And I literally, I just wanted to like sit in a funk all day. And I was finally like, no. Because if you sit in a funk all day, you'll be in a funk all week because that happens. Mm-hmm. And so I reached out and I was able to do these comics and I had just amazing responses for these comics. Um, uh, Carnathia on uh, Twitter gave me some great responses. And I also, uh, Jaleel and this incredible, incredible man named Kamau gave me amazing amazing answers to these questions about the baltimore uprising and about cops in baltimore and about their experiences being black and dealing with police and it's like i felt so much better like i hadn't really done anything to solve the problem like i obviously those comics didn't solve the problem in any way but they solved my problem they solved my problem with being in a funk about it and not being able to do anything about it. Like, of course I can't solve the Baltimore riots and I can't solve the Baltimore police being racist and terrible and violent, but I can absolutely solve my depression over that and try to be proactive and try to do something. And I, I love that you've found that that works for you. Um, I went 
with the riots in Ferguson and the the brutality there, um, I had a really really hard time. Um, like I couldn't sleep. Like I had a really really hard time with all of that. And so, my solution with Ferguson and not with Ferguson, my solution with Baltimore was to be pretty disengaged from it because. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was, I was just not at a point where I could, I could cope. No, yeah. You got to recognize that too. You got to recognize when you're not at the place where you can like take on, what's the word I'm looking for? When you're a really like empathetic person, you have to be aware that you're taking on like other people's pain quite a bit. And like, if you do that for a lot of people, sometimes it's really wearying. It's exhausting. Yeah. And I got some criticism because I wasn't speaking about it, but I was like, I, I'm still here. I'm still watching, but like, and yeah, I understand that it's a luxury luxury and that, that I'm privileged to be able to say, okay, I need to step, step back from this, but like I'm gonna spiral if I don't. <laughs> but don't you step. Gotta recognize. Yeah, and um, I'm not sure that people understood that. And in a way, I felt guilty because of that. Like, all right, this is a very privileged thing I can do. Um, but I had to. Yeah, yeah. With me, it was like I knew I wanted to say something about it. So the biggest challenge was shutting my mouth and letting other people who actually have those lived experiences talk about it. So sometimes stepping back and letting other people talk, you know, that's not a bad thing. Like, <laughs> Well, and I loved, I loved how you approached that, you know, because that's what I try to do with this show is give people an opportunity to talk about themselves and their experiences. And so I felt, um, I felt that like that was an excellent way to approach it. And it isn't something that I've seen from anybody else. Oh, thank you. I'm doing another uh, series of comics that are going to be with people all over gender representation and sexuality. And there are a lot of uh, responses so far. So I'm going to be doing more of those single panel comics, but probably not until the Kickstarter's done. Let's be honest. <laughs> You're going to be busy for a while. I imagine this is just going to be my life, but I want it to be my life. So that's good. I keep refreshing the page. Me too. I'm staring right <laughs> at it. It's like, I'm just I'm like, it's going to happen any second now. It's going to happen. And then I'm going to freak out. <laughs> so what's your plan if you get a significant amount more, you know, a lot more money than you thought you did or thought you would for this? Well, I'd like to go further. I'd like to make more decks, of course, and I'd like to reach out especially to more women and get just more women involved. But I'm really excited by the idea of getting more artists involved, too. I'd love to, like, find some more women artists out there and pay them to do cards for the decks so that there can be a lot of different art in it. And I can also showcase some of the great artists I've seen out there, like Emily Madley. Amazing great artist incredible artist she's uh one of the hosts of castle to castle and there's just like so many great artists on twitter that i'm like i could i would love to have their art in the deck and i would love to be able to pay them for that i would love to be able to do more comics and i would love to be able to have more women write those comics and pay them for that Really, like the money I base any extra money I get, I really just want to pay out to more people and get more people. I love collaborating with people. So the idea of getting more and more people involved with the project, building that community, I guess, again, is just something that really appeals to me. Like the idea of getting to work with more and more people, because whenever people help me, I'm like, oh, this makes it so much easier, too, because I'm not good at this stuff. <laughs> It's it's reassuring to me to hear you say that, though, because every day I wake up and I'm like, I am just totally making this up as I go. I have right? no idea what I'm doing. And um, even though we're in different spaces, you know, <laughs> in different kinds of content creators, it's just kind of nice to hear another like creative person be like, I have no clue. 
<laughs> right? I think none of us really know what we're doing. Like it's, it's when you're a kid, you think being a grown up is going to be something where you're like, oh, now I have the answers. Like when you're a kid, you're like, it'll be better when I'm 18 and suddenly I know everything. <laughs> I did. I did. But you don't know anything <laughs> you when don't. you're 18. <laughs> And then again, at, at 28 and 38 and 48, and you're like, I, I kind of feel like I was sold a sack of lies when I was growing up. <laughs> well, it'll, it'll all be better when I'm 18 and I can vote and I know everything in the world. Right. <laughs> and I'm in charge all the time. Yep. Like, sorry, kids. It's not going to happen that way, but it can still be pretty awesome. <laughs> For me, it was 21 because my family... um Every fall went to Las Vegas and it was like, you know, the adults went right. to Las Vegas. I was like, oh, when I'm 21, I can actually like go do this. And like, I wasn't really interested in drinking. So whatever. But um, but like I could go to I can go to Las Vegas. And and so then I turned 21 and then it was like, oh, I can't wait till I'm 25 and I can rent a car without paying like a million dollars. <laughs> and then I hit 25 and I'm like, OK, I'm good. I'm just staying here. So. But it, you don't just say that. That's not what happens. You keep getting older. And then you look back at 25 and you're like, oh, oh, what was I doing? Right. I, well, I look back at 25 I know, me too. often and I'm like, I have no idea why I thought that was a good idea. <laughs> I am a completely different person now than I was at 25, which is My a good thing. talks about your Saturn return, which happens sometime between like 28 and 30 which is when Saturn moves back into the position it was in when you were born this is the stuff that my mother talks to me about I should mention I don't believe in this stuff but it's hilarious that my hippie mother tells me about this <laughs> stuff but your Saturn return I kind of like this idea it's when Saturn moves back into the position it was in when you were born and you have to like deal with all this stuff you haven't dealt with yet moving into adulthood and I don't know that it has anything to do with the stars, but yeah, between like 28 and 30, just a couple of years ago, I was definitely dealing with some heavy stuff. I was definitely, and I think a lot of people go through that sometime between 25 and 30, where you have your, your second coming into a, in adulthood where you're like, well, actually, this is nothing like I thought it would be when I was a kid. And it's a lot harder. Yep. It's a lot harder. <laughs> and I am not together at all. I thought I'd be together and I am. Not. I was supposed to know everything. Right. Yeah. For me, the thing was when uh, I can't remember if told if I've told this on the podcast or not, but my best, my husband's best friend, um, when he turned thirty, I was twenty eight. He turned thirty, and I had a breakdown. That <laughs> that was I was like, I'm gonna be thirty in like a year and a half, and this is the worst. And what am I doing? I'm like an IT coordinator at a small company. I'm not doing anything with my life. I'm just like fixing <laughs> what people's am I doing with right? my life? <laughs> fixing people's computers and telling people in the IT department what to do. And I'm getting paid like like nothing. And it, like, it was my crisis was someone else turning thirty, like before <laughs> me. And then when I turned thirty, I was fine. I was like, all right, well, I already went through that, so. No, it was great. I turned 30 after I was homeless. So I was just like, whatever. Right. <laughs> I was like, I already feel like I'm 30. I don't even care. I've been through, been through it. I'm so glad that you are where you are, though. Me too. Let me tell you, me too. I thought it was going to turn really, really bad. I lost my job and I was like, well, I'm depressed. That's terrible. And I ended up uh, having to go to the hospital. Uh, my father is a psych nurse at a hospital. And I say this, um, first of all, because I'm not at all embarrassed by the fact that I had to reach out for help. And secondly, because I know that there may be some people who listen to your podcast who have suicidal thoughts. And if you have suicidal thoughts, please go to your local emergency room Tell them you're there for a mental health evaluation. Just do it. Just do it. Like, you'll feel a lot better. You will feel so much better talking to someone about it. But I had like a major breakdown and I went into the hospital. And when I came out, I started doing feminist deck. And everything's been pretty awesome since then. So 
I am very, very positive on like seeking help and following like whatever project is your passion and just trying to be happy. (laughs) And it's something that we've talked about on Less Than or Equal before I had Georgia Dow on and we talked about you know, depression and, and trying to destigmatize that. And, um, like if you're depressed or, you know, quote unquote sad for no reason, or even if you have a a diagnosed disorder, um, and you need help, you know, you're go get it. Like there's absolutely nothing wrong with asking for help. Yeah. Yeah. And I can say to everyone, it's not, at all a barrier to your art either. I used to be very afraid of that. I used to be like, if I start medication, I won't be an artist anymore. I thought for some reason that my art came from my instability. And it's been really reassuring to discover that that's not the case and to be able to tell other artists out there, like, not the case, not the case. You can enjoy your medication and still be an artist. So why have you decided to be so open about your experiences, about being homeless and about, you know, going to the hospital and, and seeking help? That's, a, that's something, again, it's, it's stigmatized in our culture. Um, why, aren't, why, are you, why are you so outspoken about it? Uh, huh. I don't know. Um, first, I was in a abusive relationship and I had to get used to telling cops who I don't like um, (laughs) about that. Uh, So I'm pretty good at like matter of factly talking about things that happen to me. But I think it's because once you've been at a really, really low point, like once you've had to sleep in a cemetery or something like that, like it's not really embarrassing anymore to talk about it like it's more embarrassing to get found by the lawn care guys in the morning and kicked out like so since it's not embarrassing if I'm willing to talk about it just maybe someone will hear it and there'll be like a lawn guy at a cemetery and they'll be cool to a homeless person that they meet and like I don't know I have no idea Talking about it helps me, too. I find that if I talk about it, it helps me feel like I have control over the story. Because I can, like, it's not something that's in my head anymore that's just, like, going over and over again. I've said it. It's out. I don't have to be embarrassed or ashamed of it anymore. Mm -hmm. Or, like, worried that people are going to find out. Like, oh, no, what if people find out I was homeless? Like, they already know. They know. So I guess it's that. <laughs> and I appreciate it. And I know that it's, I know that it's helping people. Um, I know that it's helping you, but I know that it's helping other people too. And I think that's really important. That's one of hmm. my values. It doesn't have to be one of yours, but it is one <laughs> no, of mine. That, that really <laughs> matters to me, actually. I really hope that it helps other people. I would love it if we all reached a point where we could talk more openly about things that had happened to us. I think that shame is one of those like terrible, terrible things that like destroys people. It's why I do like the body positive art. It's why I try to draw people and people are always like, you made me look so pretty. And I'm like, you're pretty. (laughs) Why are you so ashamed of the way you look? You're very pretty. (laughs) Believe me, you've got a brain and a heart that makes you amazing. Like a circulatory system. Do you have any idea how beautiful <laughs> that is? Like, don't even worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, where can people, well, one, where can people support you in the Kickstarter? And two, how else can people find you online? Uh, well, the Kickstarter uh, is at a feminist deck on Kickstarter. And I have a link for that. Uh, on Feminist Deck at Twitter. And then if you want to see my personal tweets where I'm usually at more, if you want to reach me, I'm at Kiva Bay on Twitter. Or you can check out KivaBay.com. And you also have a Patreon. 
And I have a Patreon, also Kiva Bay. I'm Kiva Bay basically everywhere on the <laughs> internet. Like, if you just put Kiva Bay into Google, you will find a bunch of Kiva Bay stuff. Um, and as when this show goes up, there will be, I think, 16 days left on the Kickstarter. So plenty of time to go offer more support. So, um, or buy a comic if you just want the comic. Or that. <laughs> or a deck. Or a deck. I am in the deck, so buy the deck. No, I'm just kidding. Support however <laughs> it feels best to you. Buy the deck. <laughs> but, but buy the deck. <laughs> and uh, you can find the show on Twitter at less than or equal. If you have feedback, suggestions for guests, or would like to be a guest, please go to lessthanorequal.com and fill out the contact form. If you have a few minutes, I'd really appreciate a review on iTunes or even just a star rating. Um, I, too, have a Patreon. It's at patreon.com slash Aline. Uh, and thank you so much for listening. Until next time on an internet near you, I'm Aline Sims for Less Than or Equal. Yay! Yay! Thank you, Kiva. Thank you. That was really fun. I'm so glad I got to talk to you before. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm. No, I'm not. I'm actually kind of sad that it didn't hit the 22. That it didn't hit goal while you were on here because I was like, that'd be such a cool little clip to have. That would be pretty funny, Kiva freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> Being like, oh my god. <laughs> But no, I I gotta tell you, and you probably did the same thing based on what you were saying on Twitter, but when I saw Neil Gaiman had, like, not only, like, tweeted about the project, but, like, come to the project's defense, and, like, it spawned, like, people coming at him with vitriol, oh and he God. was just like, F you, and I was like, this is the best thing ever! Oh my God, like, when I told that to my mother, she was like, is your 13-year-old self just, like kidding herself right now like what just happened i was actually live streaming when i saw that and i just went and there was like two people in the chat room and they were like what what's going on are you okay and i'm like i couldn't even talk i was like i don't know I'd finally leave them a link and just be like, I don't <laughs> I, uh, I got to meet him like a year and a half ago when he was on tour for Ocean at the end of the lane. And um, I wrote him a little a little letter because um, did you read his calendar? Um, what was that project called where he wrote a story for every month of the calendar year? No, but that's awesome. It was really cool. And so he wrote one. um there's one that actually reminds me very, very much of you um, because it it's about a homeless woman. Um, so I'm trying to I think if you search for Neil Gaming calendar, it'll probably come up and all of the stories were online for free. Um, but one of them he wrote, um, I had just lost a friend to cancer. And um, if you read these, you'll you'll know which one it was that was like. Like made. are they all sad? Are they all sad? No, they're not all sad. Okay. I'm In like, fact, the one, Jesus. No, the one the one about homelessness was actually um hopeful. Okay. It was it was good. Um, but but like it was it was a thing for me because I'd lost a friend to cancer just like two months before these came out, and um, and so I wrote him a letter about like you know just like a three paragraph you know thank you so much. This is my situation. This is why this has helped me heal a little. And he like sat there and read it at the oh signing. And I was like, no, 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 you don't have to read it now. And he just kind of <laughs> looked at me. And so that's <laughs> He's like, well, I'm going to read it. Yeah. <laughs> that's my Neil Gaiman story. It's not very good, but that it, it, no, but it's mine. <laughs> that's so sweet. <laughs> He's so sweet. I had no idea that he was so sweet. You know, like I just like when he jumped up to Randy's defense like that, I was like, and then to the project's defense, I was just I that I'm still pretty speechless about it. You can tell I'm just like, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's um, I think that he is a neat person. I know that some people um, because of the title of his, his most recent um book was trigger warning and pe people have kind of been upset about that but i i'm sorry i still think he's a neat person and 
I didn't know that, but I think he's great. <laughs> yeah. Kiva, I'm so excited for you. I am too like... excited. It's crazy. I uh, When I think that, like, it wasn't really that long ago, and it was, like, around this time, like, the last time I was homeless, it's freaking nuts. I have no idea how to describe that feeling of, like, wow, this is really going to be my life now. Like really exciting 